This AFL final season, Bet with Betfair, where you can find better odds. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. It's your biggest sports show on Saturday morning. Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Joey Montagna, Jay-Z Clark and Fox Footy's Kath Lockman as they talk all things sport and tackle the big topics. Right. But let's get to the point. Was, was there the a best, best on ground medal? Oh, it made me challenge you. Oh, that means you tried way too hard, Richie Vandenberg style. This is Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Good morning, everyone. Hello, Jay-Z. How are you yes. doing? And welcome, Joey. Uh, good, you, morning. good morning, Kath. Joey, um, let's get this out of the way early. You're up in there, Sydney, because uh, you're up in Sydney because you're calling the massive game today. Yes. Collingwood versus Sydney Fox Swans. Footy. Yeah, so I cannot wait for that. But it's been a tricky preparation for you because last night you had your annual St Kilda catch up with all the St Kilda boys where you get together on the preliminary final. There was a weekend. great photo doing the rounds on Twitter of the whole gang. All the together, Saints. all the I Saints saw that. boys. Yeah, was, was it a lunch or dinner or both? Or it was lunch, and then we watched the footy. But as we get a bit older, it's not as sort of a bit more low key than they, they used to be. Jay Z, but it was great to catch up with some old faces, some staff, and Steve Silvani was there. Sauce, our former assistant coach, and a few others. So it was a it was a great day. But no, happy to be up in Sydney. I tell you what, the airports were pumping this morning. I was there very very early, <laughs> yep. and it was chock a block. And you wouldn't believe it, Kath. The first person I bumped into <laughs> at the airport was Peter Dacos. Oh, so I went, really? I went over. I went over to Dakes. I shook his hand. I gave him a hug and I said, good luck. And uh, he was at the airport and he was on the same flight. So the Dacos family were all here. And uh, yeah, there was a lot of excitement around the airport. A lot of Collingwood supporters and a lot of Sydney supporters too, actually, from Melbourne that were flying up. So uh, it's going to be a big, big day. For those just tuning in, Peter Dacos was on our show last week and Joey did reveal that Peter Dacos was his idol growing up. So a little sweet moment. Um, he also revealed that he's also the two Dacos' boys, I didn't he? Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, <laughs> there was a photo. There was a, yeah, the story of them asking for Joey's Joey autograph, which was yeah. quite sweet. Yep. But, it, oh, Joey, I'm so jealous of you, particularly after last night's prelim final. It was probably, well, the first dud of the final series, the are we going to say? Yeah, <laughs> um, really. Whereas today, I mean, you just can't pick it. It's going to be such a close game, hopefully. I don't want to jinx it now. But also a sellout at the SCG. When the SCG is sold out and rocking, and I think it's nice weather there in Sydney. You can confirm that for me, Joey. But it is the place to be, mm. the Sydney It's a beautiful ground. day. It's a beautiful day today in Sydney. I've just got a T-shirt on. haven't even needed a jumper, and it's still early in the morning. It's going to be a packed. It's going to be heaving, the SCG. I don't think I've ever been to the SCG as a spectator. So sitting out there uh, on the desk there watching the footy will be pretty special. So we'll get into that game a bit yeah. later. We will dissect the bit of a fizzer. As you said last night, we probably, to be fair, were due to have one disappointing final, and unfortunately yeah. it was last night. Hey, one guest I'm really looking forward to coming up on the show, we got Travis Hogan, who is the man, the guru, when it comes to grand final entertainment. Mm. I want to do a little pick one, but I don't know whether this is me. Cutting your grass, doing no. a pick one. Cut away. <laughs> pick one. I've even used the sting. Yes. What is it? Pick one, but I don't have an option, so I'm kind of doing pick one differently here. But right. I'm just saying pick one artist for grand final day. Who I would want? Who you would Dream? sign. All right. yeah. all time? The all-time grand final act, in your opinion. Red Hot Chili Peppers for me. Oh, yeah. JC, we meant to build up the oh, suspense. And- <laughs> <laughs> I'll think of a Joey, su- think of one. All right. A better one, one than Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, yeah Joey, sure. I want to know who was best on last night too. Okay. Yes, I, I would like voice. to know that too. Brilliant, Cam Guthrie. Danger picked it up. Turned around and nailed it. Goes back. 
the tricky one, Myers, snapping, goal! Myers picked it up, Holmes can kick one, decides to go to the top of Hawkins, he can waltz in and kick another goal for the Cats. Never tap to close, now to the hands of Stengel, he's got centre options, but he has a shot from the pocket, Stengel! Why wouldn't he? Stengel with one of the goals of the year! Joel Selwood will captain his way through to the grand final. Yes, Geelong are through to the grand final and they'll enter on a 15-game winning streak. The Cats thrashed Brisbane by 71 points at the MCG last night. Tom Hawkins kicked four, Tyson Stengel three, Patrick Dangerfield enormous 28 disposals and two goals, his best game of the year. Positives all round except for Max Holmes' injury scare, which we'll get to later on. But the result means Geelong will now face either Sydney or Collingwood in next Saturday's grand final. Joey Jay-Z, what a dominant display by the Cats last night. Yeah, it was dominant performance. I mean, they are coming into the grand final now in absolutely perfect nick. Maybe the Max Holmes injury is the only concern, but their game could not be in better shape. I think that uh, there's a gut feel now with with them in the grand final. It's probably a bit obvious, but in hindsight, if they win this grand final, Jay-Z, will we look back and say, this was one of the great, like, great performances of the year, like one of the great teams that we've seen in in years. Like, they've, they've won 15 straight, two games on top, waltzing their way through. It was a tough game against Collingwood. But you know, we, can we look back and reflect and just go, this was one of the great teams we've seen yeah. in the modern era. Well, and to be honest, this has sort of been staring us in the face. It's yeah. about round eight. So they were, they come out round one, belted Essendon. Then they were a bit patchy. I think they lost uh, to Sydney, lost to Hawthorne. Remember? So they were a bit up and down throughout the first eight rounds. Turned the corner at GWS, belted them by 50 points. Since then, they've been number one defence and number one for inside 50s and the, and the number one or the most efficient side when they go inside 50. Mm. And you, you look at that um, uh, midfield, they've got the twin towers, Tyson Stengel, all Australia. And, and Patrick Dangerfield, I thought it was a pretty compelling story. Like his his start to last night's game mm. was unbelievable. This is a guy. How many times have we said it hasn't been able to secure that elusive premiership? His body's in great nick. He's been really well handled. It's been a massive focus for the club. We all question the breaks that he got throughout the season. You know, as he right or whatever. It's just validated everything, hasn't it? Everything. Absolutely everything. And he was incredible last night. And inside, I mean, Lockie Neal was not a factor, Joey. They played sort of Joel Selwood, who didn't have a lot of the ball, but was really significant in that role. Cam Guthrie a little bit. That was Lockie Neal had to have a 50-position game or like a 10-clearance game for, for, uh, for Brisbane to be anywhere near this. And he was shut out of the game, do you think? Yeah, we did. It felt like Lockie Neal had to continue to wear that Superman cape he'd been wearing the whole final series or Charlie Cameron in kick six. It did feel they needed to do something special because Geelong's game was in much better shape than Brisbane's. That came to fruition. They dominated. I thought the high half forwards of Geelong just ran ragged the halfbacks of Coleman and Rich. I mean, Myers and Close and Stengel and uh, and even you know, Max Holmes, what they were able to do, the, the Brisbane halfbacks could not keep up. They would just win the ball back and Wooshka, off they went. Tom Hawkins probably could have kicked six or seven, let's be honest. He missed a couple of sitters for him. Um, their defence was rock solid. And as you said, with a fit Paddy Dangerfield now winning clearance and contested possession, the, the, their, their, their game is faultless. It's, it's the difference between the two sides, isn't it, in that Brisbane rely on their star players to play well. Geelong don't have to rely on a Patrick Dangerfield or Joel Selwood. Um, so the, the change rooms last night, I'm not sure whether you were in there, Jay-Z. I didn't see you, but it was remarkable how stock standard, mm. routine win, got another week to go. There were there were no crazy celebrations. I mean, players were happy and, and hugging and obviously we're into a grand final, but there were no extraordinary scenes. There was no family or friends. They were being a little bit COVID safe as well. Like this is a team yep. on a mission, yep. not getting carried away. Yep. 
with the whole prelim final win, yep. they want to win a grand final. Yeah, and, and we all know that we all know the history, don't we? Because we said we've all questioned them on the big stage. You know, the finals record it keeps uh, coming up, but um, you know, they've but it hasn't come through. up much this year, has it? Because of the different way they've been playing this year, yep. Joey. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the, the whole finals record stuff's always a bit hard because unless you win the premiership, generally you're going to have a losing record in finals because you're losing a final, mm. either one or two. You know, so you're going to have a record that's there. That That's all in the past now. That's about this group. And as you said, Kath, I saw you in the rooms there chatting to Tom Stewart, and they mean business. They've got one to go. They want to win it. That's what they're here for. And as we said, they are in, in perfect shape. I, I think that they are they are, they are going to go in with all guns blazing next week. I feel like Tom Stewart is the key to the Cats. And I can see him. Like, he would be my tip for the Norm Smith medal. How does the opposition, how does either um, Sydney or Collingwood combat Tom Stewart? Because he, he they find a way to make him free. Um, he intercepts Joey. And then he's such a big driver in that rebound game. How, how, yeah. do, you, how, do, you, um, how do you combat that? What's oh, the answer to the Tom Stewart? Oh, I've been watching Geelong's defense closely the last few weeks. It's fascinating to watch Tom Stewart. So when you say they get him, he frees himself. He's almost got a license to just do as he pleases and what he thinks is best. So he'll go and free himself up. He'll go and cover for someone else if someone else leaves. He just He's like the general and does whatever he wants. So I would honestly look watching the way that he plays and influences he has. I wouldn't be surprised if whoever plays the next week puts a defensive forward on him. Yep. And try and actually tag Tom Stewart because I think you're right. He is the central piece of that back line that's the best defense in the competition. I feel like if you're going to upset the Cats on the big stage next week, the team has looked like the number one team in the comp for the past three months. That's number one on your whiteboard. You have to somehow combat and contain Tom Stewart. And only then, I think, do you have a chance of um, of upsetting the Cats, I think. Who do you think, Joey, would Geelong prefer to play in the grand final, Sydney or Collingwood? Um... Well, they had a terrific game against Collingwood a few weeks ago. Lost to Sydney earlier in the year. I mean, they're never going to say it. I think they, I think they'd fear probably Collingwood more than Sydney. I think with how really? Collingwood took it to them only two weeks ago, okay. Collingwood had plenty of chances to win that game. They weren't able to, to quite get it done. Oh, I think that Geelong would be a bit more nervous playing Collingwood than they would Sydney. That's just my gut feel. I agree with the pressure. And we'll break down this game a little bit later. Their pressure is high. Degoe, the form he's in, Darcy mm. Moore, you know, has the ability to con- uh, combat some of those um, Geelong key forwards in Cameron and Hawkins. So I'm with you. I think um, Collingwood would pose a massive challenge if they can upset the Swans today. Unfortunately, there seems to always be a bit of a heartbreaking story in grand final week. We hope that's not going to be Max Holmes this week. I want to get an update on him with you, Jay-Z, after the break. This is Triple M's Dead Set Legends with Joey Jane and Kath. The Dead Set Legends. Triple M. Red Hot Chili Peppers. June. The The band you said you would pick as the all-time great act for grand final entertainment. Joey, I asked you as well. Who are you going with? I'm going to take Bruce Springsteen. What? <laughs> that was mine. I know. Leroy just texted me. I didn't know that. I didn't know what yours was going to be. You wanted it to be a we surprise. We both picked Bruce. <laughs> there you go. How good would Bruce Springsteen be? Can, can you admit that it would be better than Red Hot Chili Peppers? No. Well, I disagree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my, my Bruce, parents, these would be Bruce so would much better than there. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Well, hey, my parents would love Bruce. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, we're not in charge of the grand final entertainment, but anyway. Um, we were talking about Max Holmes yep. and the unfortunate uh, hamstring scare last night. Yep. It was 
horrible to watch at the time because you just think, oh, you feel for him. One more game to go yeah. and it's the grand final. What's the yeah. latest this morning? Look, is it as bad as they thought? In a nutshell, he's going to have scans and that's that's going to be quite significant because if there's any damage uh, to, the, to the muscle, then obviously um, he won't play in seven days' time. Now, Geelong is optimistic and Chris Scott um, was adamant about this, that it could just be a, a lesser issue, some tightness, some neural pain, some more reference. Jack Ginevan had a hamstring issue. Um, he got subbed out in the game against Sydney and then played against Carlton a week later. So it, it is possible. However, the visual look at it, and I've asked some sort of medical types this morning, it does look like he pulls up really quick. He's shattered afterwards. He's hobbling off. He can hardly walk. So sort of visually, and we won't know for sure until we see the scans, but visually it doesn't look good. Visually it looks like he needs a miracle to play. However, we'll have a listen to Chris Scott, certainly the Geelong Football Club, hopeful um, that he could play, and what a story this will be in grand final week. They're optimistic about it. It's like a, an injury that's absolutely going to rule him out. Um, they haven't given me the detail yet, except that they're optimistic that he'll play. Uh, so it didn't look like that to me. So that was that made a good night better. Really interesting, wasn't it, Jay-Z? Because every coach, every game of every year would say, oh, we'll get a scan and we'll let you know when we know more. But this, he was quite emphatic to say, no, no, we're very optimistic. But I'm with you. I think they wouldn't know until they actually get the scan, which I'm sure he'd be getting this morning. And- what- oh, I was just going to ask Joey, what would be going through Max Holmes' oh, mind? Yeah. Almost in disbelief, thinking, no, 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 this can't be... The case. I'm oh, you're, you're, you're praying. You're praying at this stage. You've you got your fingers crossed. You cross your to- uh, your toes crossed that nothing comes up on the MRI, and then you're starting to think if there is something, how you can uh, how you can sort of talk your way out in, into maybe <laughs> training or trying and, and doing everything possible to get yourself there. But first, you just got to get the scan and know where it's at. And let's not forget that last year for Melbourne, Steve May played with an eight centimetre tear in his <laughs> hamstring. Right, he played on one leg True. in that grand final, which is extraordinary. I don't even think. Um, the Melbourne doctors told Steve May that it was um, that that significant. So people, players have played with hamstring injuries before, but would the Cats take the risk on Max Holmes in terms of his run, Joey? Because he provides that um, elite run. He was a star 400-metre runner. Uh, we got drafted. Like another great pick from Stephen Wells and Andrew Mackey. Do you think they would take any – with with Parfit and O'Connor waiting in the, in the wings, do you think they would take that risk if there was some sort of injury, Joey? It's a great question, Jay-Z, because first of all, Max Holmes is, is a really important piece of that team with his running ability. We've spoken about how they've played. He's a key ingredient in that, but we also do know they've got enough depth that if he doesn't play, they can cover, as you just said, some of those names. There is also the element you can. You can put a local anesthetic in it so that you don't feel the hamstring. Knowing that it will get worse, you will tear it even bigger in the game, but it's the last game of the year, so that doesn't matter if he tears it you know, uh, pretty bad. But then again, do you want to do that with a young player? I mean, Stephen May or some older players might be prepared to take that risk. But for Max Holmes, a young star for that club, do they want to do that in a grand final? There are a lot of questions they've got to think about, Jay. It's pretty early in the week to know, um, would you take the risk? You've got the sub there. And for that reason, if it does, you know, he does tear it worse, he can play. It's going to be a big call. Big what's, call. What's it like in the in a team environment when you have got that selection anxiety? I mean, you played in the grand finals, Joey. When yeah. when when you have got someone who's likely to miss out or trying to prove his fitness, do you feel that in the in the team as much as you try and put it out of your mind and pretend like oh it's nothing and yeah you no you don't do you you feel actually it? don't no you don't and for every other player it's just business as usual. You worry about what what's got to get done. It's only that player that's in that shoes that has all those thoughts and everything else going through their head. Everyone else just sort of goes about their business, leaves it up to the 
the coaches and the player and the medical staff. And if he plays, he plays. If he doesn't, you go, no worries. You just get the next man out there. So it's not as big a – unless it's your, your best you know, your best player or a yep. really significant player. Um, like when you know, Nick Rewalt went out with us with a hamstring. Otherwise, you sort of – you know, you just move on. Oh, we cross our fingers for Max Holmes because it would be devastating for him. And did you see Kath Joel Selwood um, on the coverage last night? He, I think he said um, afterwards, I just gave up, gave up, came up to him and gave him a cuddle. And I think that was a pretty telling sort of comment, you know, yeah. like just felt for yeah. him and, you know, that that um, emotion. So. Acknowledge what he's going through when the rest of the team is celebrating being in a yeah. grand final. Jay-Z, I've been dying all week to get your thoughts on the Essendon coaching uh, saga. Uh, saga? That's not right. Story. Yep. <laughs> um, the big development this week was that James Hurd has applied yes. for the position. Yep. Do you think this is the right move by the Bombers to oh. interview him and then... What about if they appoint him? Yeah, if if James Hurd has expressed an interest in coaching Essen, I think the Bombers are well within their rights to have that chat with him because then they know more about him and where he's at and how he would go about it, and that's fine. So I think if he sticks up his hand, that's fair enough for Essendon to have that conversation. I still think that Hurd, he'd be long odds to become Essendon's um, next coach for all the obvious reasons. It's not to disrespect James, but just think he's been out of the game probably for a little bit. There's the obvious history, you know, um, which is difficult for the club. And I think they've um, made such a big effort to move on from that period to now sort of go back to that, I think um, would be a little bit um, strange. I, I sort of think that if anything, Essendon needs to move forward and, you know, not not cut ties with its past, but there's been such a big emphasis on having former Essendon people back and getting these bomber greats. It's like, well, for the past 20 years, they haven't won a final. So maybe they need a bit of a different approach. So, you know, and as Zach, Zach I mean, when Zach Merritt is talking publicly at a function and he and he's saying, the vice captain, um, I don't think James is, is um, the best person for the job. Like, is he just saying something that most people are thinking? You know, so I, I would be surprised if Hurdy um, gets the job. I think Adam Uze um, is the front runner there. I think Brad Scott hasn't shut the door on it. Do you, so, do you think, and Joe, I'm keen to get your thoughts, do you think the coaching panel would take into account the history or well, do they just pick the best I, coach, yeah. the one who's done the best presentation that convinced them with their ideas of a game plan and what they would do with this list? Like, I've, do they I've factor asked that in question. the history? I've asked that question. I don't know what their what their brief is. So is the, the the coaching committee panel just to go? Okay, this is who we think is the best candidate on purely on the coaching presentation and this, and not take into consideration the factors around S. And although I think I've heard Jordan Lewis say you have to take into consideration the club and what it's been through and the situation and and factor that in. So. I mean, it's fascinating for me. I've been with in you know, along the lines of Jay Z for you know since we first threw or Jay Z threw up James Hurd's name mid year and uh, and said I don't think he'd you know having been out for eight years and not have done done much with his um, coaching development and all those sorts of things. It would be highly, I would think, a high uh, highly unusual to come in from someone being out of the game for so long, doing some part time work as a leadership coach, to then be a senior coach. But, Jay-Z, you, you know more the Essendon Footy Club, they, they seem to roll a bit differently. Yeah, cert- certainly do. Yeah, there's some uh, politics there, I guess, and they're looking to make um, some key changes. I think that if James is serious about wanting to be a senior coach, go and be in a senior assistant somewhere. Go be in a, in a different program for three years. Do those hard yards, which is required. We hear Ross Lyon talk all the time about the rigours and the demands of coaching. It is difficult, and he's been doing business for the past you know, six or seven years, largely, aside from helping GWS out. So, look, I'll be surprised. 
My goodness, will it be a big story if he is, if the return is on and he does come back and coach his mm. football club? Like it'll just be bananas. The supplement scandal uh, will definitely come back up. So they've got to come up with a plan to deal with that and the speculation and all the historical stuff. So that'll certainly be interesting. Spoke to Brad Scott yesterday. So he's AFL operations manager at a um, function for um, North Melbourne. And he wouldn't be drawn specifically on the Bombers. He, he wouldn't go into you know those links specifically. But he said, generally speaking, he'll always have a bit of a coaching part of him, that he'll always feel that itch that he... Um, Competitive edge. Yeah. So he didn't... What he didn't say was... I won't return to coaching or I'm I'm not interested in going back. So maybe that door is just slightly ajar a little bit. I don't think he's formally part of the process at the moment, but because he has that experience, maybe Essendon will look to ask him some more questions, you know, in the coming week or so after doing that initial round of interviews with the assistants, Brennan Laid, Adamuze, um, uh, these sorts of types. So it'll be interesting if they knock on that door. He's obviously doing a big role with the AFL and it would be a big change. He last coached North Melbourne in 2019, but didn't slam the door shut mm. on a potential return. He has that experience, you know, 10 years. I feel like North Melbourne really batted above its average throughout his, you know, their time under Scotty, 102 wins, 101 losses, two preliminary finals. So I think that's a big watch over the next week, Brad Scott. Yeah, the whole Essendon coaching story is just so fascinating, isn't it? And it went to another level during the week when James Heard uh, applied. Rusty's Motorsport Update. Bendix Brakes. Put your foot down with confidence. Good morning, Rusty. What a weekend in the supercars last week and fairytale win for Shane Van Gisbergen. Kath, Joey, Joe, good morning. What a farewell to Pukekohe there in uh, in New Zealand. Last time the supercars will ever go there. I think that probably the weight of the situation, Kath, was on Shane Van Gisbergen's shoulders very much in the early part of the weekend. He, he comes from uh, Auckland, all those parts. So, uh, But on Sunday, um, they did a great job with the, the strategy and, and the way he filed out of that quick pit stop and um, got the elbows out, some great racing and great action, goes on to win it. Very memorable celebration and, and a kind of fitting or fairy tale end with a Kiwi winning the last ever race at that great venue. Hey, Rusty, there's been a lot of chat about that incident between uh, Frosty Winterbottom and Will Brown. Now, is uh, Will Brown's car fixable? And what was your take on the actual incident slash crash? Now, I, I'm a bit on Frosty's side here. I just sort of thought it was just hard racing. Is that fair? Uh, I mean, it's one of the highest profile um, moments of the year and certainly what went on afterwards in the garage as well kind of underscored that high stakes game. Uh, there's going to be people here that will have uh, a foot in uh, either camp on this. I'm actually talking to you guys live from Sandown in Victoria and Will Brown is here. He's running in the TCR series. So to the first part of your question, Erebus are all hands on deck. They are going to repair that car. And the good news is, uh, otherwise, it would have had a knock-on effect, potentially, for the wildcard entry for Greg Murphy and Richie Stanaway. Erebus may have needed to get that car mm. for Will Brown for Bathurst. But they're going to fix Brownie's car, and that means that Kiwi wildcard entry is on. And just quickly, Rusty, Aussie Will Power won his second IndyCar crown. How cool. He's an Indy 500 winner, a two-time winner of the crown. Drives for the great Roger Penske. Probably doesn't get enough uh, kudos or publicity in this country. And that was an ultra-competitive championship this year. Very well done. Rusty, always love chatting with you. We'll do the same next week. Big week coming up for you guys. Enjoy. Take care. Thanks, Rusty. Rusty's Motorsport Update. Bendix Brakes. Put your foot down with confidence.
We'll whip through some Saturday scoreboard. There was some AFLW action yesterday before the Geelong-Brisbane game. Uh, North Melbourne, too good for the Cats in very wet conditions, 4-4 to 2-4. Some big games today, the Hawks and the Bulldogs, Freo and the Blues. Uh, and then tomorrow, there's the first Dreamtime game between Richmond and the Bombers. I'll be calling that one. So looking forward to that. A little bit of cricket. The Aussies have landed in India for their three T20s, which start on Wednesday. Uh, no Davey Warner, Mitch Stark, Mitch Marsh and Marcus Stoinis. They're not there, but still a very strong squad to play against India. And a little bit of NRL news. We know the Melbourne Storm got eliminated last week. Well, it's confirmed that Jesse and Kenny Bromwich are out of the club. Felice Kafusi is gone. Brandon Smith, we know, is gone. And there's still some um, uncertainty around Cam Munster, which is huge mm. for the Melbourne Storm if they were to lose Cam Munster on top of whoever whoever else they've already lost. So that's some pretty big news. And last night in the semifinals of the NRL, Parramatta Eels, way too good. They, they're comprehensive winners against Canberra, 40 to 4. So they'll play the North Queensland Cowboys for a spot in the grand final. And the Cronulla Sharks are taking on the Rabbitohs tonight in the other semifinal. That'll be straight after the AFL at 8 o'clock. So big day in Sydney for everyone involved. So much to look forward to, isn't it, with week coming up, particularly the Brownlow medal as well on Sunday night. We need to do a Brownlow preview for that as well, Jay-Z. Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Well, this time next week, it'll be grand final day. And part of what makes the grand final so special, Jay-Z and yep. Joey, and memorable, mm. I guess, is the entertainment. Correct? Co- agree, of course. Yeah. Yep. So who could forget... You know, I think The Killers, Jack yep. Rewalt. Remember Lionel Richie? Joey, that was 2010, wasn't it? I was singing in the rooms pre-game to Lionel Richie. <laughs> yeah. Meatloaf. You yes. You Meatloaf. <laughs> I mean, the artists add so much to the last Saturday in September. And this year, I feel like the AFL want to go all out, yep. Jay-Z, because it's the first grand final back at the MCG since pre-COVID. So it's time to celebrate, right? Yep. Well, our next guest, his name is Travis Hogan from Mushroom Group. He's the producer of the Grand Final Entertainment. So the pressure is on Big him gig. to deliver, and I'm sure he will because he's been doing this for some time now. Travis is on the line and joins us. Travis, welcome to Deadset Legends. Morning, team. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Tell me, how long have you been doing the Grand Final Entertainment? Because well, there is funny. a lot of pressure with this job. There is. It's funny you mentioned meatloaf because, look, the, Mr. Meatloaf did not have the best day out back in 2011. <laughs> he was not best on field, but the result of that is that I've been employed ever since. Uh, oh, so you were brought in after meatloaf. <laughs> to save things. Really? <laughs> so to speak. And um, what was I've the never... brief? The brief was, I, I can't come... I can't really tell you what Michael Gudinski told me to do. <laughs> However, we've managed to not have a, a similar result since, which I'm very pleased about. Oh, fantastic, uh, Travis. You have saved the show. There's no doubt about that. And this year's number one act, I mean, Robbie Williams, talk about global superstars. Yeah. This guy's as big as it gets, super popular. I think we all can't wait. Rock DJ Joey, I've, I've carved out some moves to that song over the on the dance floor over the uh, journey. So I'm excited. <laughs> How did you get... One of the biggest superstars in the world, you know, uh, Robbie Williams. How, how did this all come about, Travis? Well, we, look, we were lucky, and Rob was here doing some shows in support of his biopic, um, which he was being which was being filmed here in Melbourne, and we were doing some shows, uh, part of that project at Rod Laver Arena. We managed to sit down with him and Kylie and Brian from the AFL and hash out a deal almost there on the spot. It took a few weeks to put together after that, but look, they, the, the sell from the AFL was really... Uh, 
was really good and uh, he's really pumped to do it. He's, um, he's going to deliver. So you mentioned Kylie's in Kylie Rogers from the AFL, but what about okay. Kylie Minogue? Are we getting a little kid Stuart on Grand Final uh, Day? I, I, would, I would think that's unlikely, <laughs> um, but uh, I, I'm not going to speak about who may or may not perform on that day, but I would think that's very unlikely. Tell me about previous acts. Were there, were there any acts that really exceeded your expectations? Because I remember, well, I, I actually yeah. remember Tones and I, by the way, mm. pre-game yeah. of, oh, I can't remember which year, but she was outstanding. Mm. She was outstanding. I think that was the last time we were at the MCG 219, if I'm not mistaken, um, a last-minute addition to the show when her song Dance Monkey went crazy. Yeah. Yep. Um, but a couple of standouts, I would say, uh, is 2014, Ed Sheeran, early in his career, before he played any big venues in Australia, and he's then gone on to do incredible things, mm. and he's going to return to the MCG uh, next year, March 2nd and 3rd, um, and, and play some of the biggest shows that have ever happened. Um, but the real standout, and everyone will agree with me, is 217, The Killers. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, they just nailed it. Brandon Flowers, the, the front man for that band, is a real true showman, and he, he really turned it on. And, obviously, we were lucky enough to have Jack get up and, and sing um, post-show. <laughs> I mean, that came out of nowhere, half-time. I get, a, I get a question comes to me about, can this happen? I took it to, to our people in the band and fully expecting that to go nowhere. The next thing I know, I'm being asked for a microphone for Jack. So. How good. So that was that spur of the moment. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, I think things were looking good that day and people started to look ahead to, to, to later on. And, and I know Jack's a massive fan. We had him come back. The Killers came back and did some great shows after that. And, and Jack came and, and hung with the band and everything for a while. And also, I mean, they're, they're back again at the end of this year. We've got some big shows with them. Uh, Mountain E, 10th December. Rod Laver, 13th, 14th December. Um, incredible band. Oh, I can't, I can't wait. I'm going to be there, Travis. It's, it was an unforgettable moment. Jack Rewalt jumping up stage with the Killers, Mr. Brightside. Have we got a, have we got a little taste of this? Can we have a listen. We've all we've all belted that out in the dead floor, oh, haven't we? It is uh, so good. I do always think of Jack Rewalt now when that song plays. <laughs> But, but Travis, the other thing I think when we hear it now, we think about that was post game and it was getting that was dark and under lights and there's all this talk about the grand final, Travis. And should we have a twilight or night grand final because of the spectacular? It would add to the mm. to the, the the concert part of it. What's your take on how much better it would be if it was done under lights? Look, I was lucky enough to be in Perth last year to to do the show there, and we all saw the result of the halftime show there. It's under darkness. It's pretty special. The challenges are many at the MCG. It's a different venue, um, so we, we've got more challenges at this venue. So a, a nighttime show would have to be at, at halftime or even twilight would have to be at halftime to get darkness. So it's still going to be a challenge no matter, no matter where we end up there. Travis, it's a pretty unique sport. Tell me about when you pitch to these global artists about playing at halftime of this AFL grand final, are they intrigued about the game? Do they get very into it? Or for them, is it just performing in front of a big crowd at a big stadium? Like how invested do do they get in the game? Some do, some don't. In the case of Rob, he's incredibly into AFL. He's, he's, He's been following it for a while and he really genuinely loves the game. Um, uh, Ed was similar and, and has followed the game ever since. His close friendship with, with Michael and now Makadinsky, um, you know, big AFL fans and followers and supporters. He, he's, he now follows the game. 
Um, but yeah, some do, some don't, and it's great when they do. And and we've got one of those this year, and we're looking forward to watching the game with him afterwards. Yeah. We're speaking to Travis Hogan, of course, the director of production for the Mushroom Group and Frontier Touring. He's the guru of the AFL entertainment, of course. What's it like um, before they perform, Travis? Do these guys, over the past 10 years, do they get stressed? Are they anxious? Are they relaxed? Obviously, 100,000 people. Glo- Good question. Global audience. Are they Are they, up are they divas? T- yes. Are they uptight? <laughs> And do they, are they asking you for, you know, weird requests like, you know, peanut M&Ms and yellow Gatorades? Are they really specific around that sort of stuff? What's it like just before they go out? Well, firstly, there's no we don't really have any divas uh, in the last 10 years. Everyone's been pretty nice to deal with. And they, are, they do get nervous. I mean, the biggest performers in the world get nervous um, regularly, which, which I think is a good sign. You know, it just shows us they want to put on a great show and, and deliver. Um, you know, G- I worked with Jimmy Barnes for a long, long time. G- Jimmy gets nervous after every show he plays still. doesn't wow. matter what size, small, large, stadium. He's, he's nervous. So, um, you know, you'd think after this long he'd just walk out there and do it. But, you know, the nerves are still there. And before we let you go, who else is um, performing around this? I know it's just not uh, Robbie Williams, Travis. No, we've got a big lineup as part of the Telstra pre-match and halftime entertainment this year. We've got Goanna and guests uh, at halftime. We've got Temper Trap and guests at halftime, and the and the legend G Flip mm. yes. at, at the halftime. So um, there's a bit going on. Robbie's Rob's got a full Australian band behind him as well, including Chong Lim, who's a very well known um, MD in Australia. He'll be he'll be in that band as well. Well, Travis, you've done an amazing yep. job since taking over from Meatloaf, yep. the Meatloaf moment. So congratulations on that. And we are pumped for this grand final back at the MCG and an awesome lineup. So good luck for the day. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, a great Travis. man, Travis. What a fun job. I mean, I know. It must be stressful at times, yeah. but he's done an amazing job for the past decade well, or, so, or it, even longer. It's sort of a show that they've got to put on that can't fail, can it? Like, it's as you said, high pressure, high stress. And interesting they said that these global superstars yeah, still do, do get um, nerves and a bit jittery beforehand. So yeah. we're all human, uh, Joey, but can't wait. I mean, Robbie Williams, who doesn't love bopping along to him? Yeah, he will be awesome. Hey, big second hour coming up. We've got Scott Selwood, the Collingwood assistant, joining us, which will be awesome. Maybe asking about his brother, Joel, mm. being into a grand final again. 40th final it will be for Joel Sell. That'll Warrior. be a new record next week. That's coming up in the second hour. This is Triple M's Dead Set Legends with Joey J and Kath. Triple M's Dead Set Legends. It's time for pick one. Try and get you off the fence. And the news that Roger Federer uh, is hanging up the racket. Hanging up the racket. Pick one. Are you a, were you a Roger man or lady or a raffer? Uh, camp. Who 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 did you support? Who did you who do you like more? You you were Roger or you in Camp Rafa? Mm. Which one? Pick one. I was Rafa. That's a P- good question. Purely purely for just his presence. Yes, Rafa. Yeah, the, the intensity fist pumps. Yeah. The strut. Yeah, Rafa. Yeah, the weird sort of think you know yeah, curiosities. The, he yeah, has. yeah, yeah, yeah. Although he did take does take a long time to serve, and that but, does get annoying <laughs> at times. Yeah, it does. And he's all yeah, he's all routine. Um, yeah, but and gosh, it, it's a tough me. one to pick. Rafa annoyed me watching, and yeah, annoyed me watching the drip, the sweat drip off his forehead before he served every single time. Yes. Roger Federer, he never, he didn't even drop any sweat in his whole tennis career. Yet he was still the greatest. I'm a Roger Federer man. Jay Z, the 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 um, elegance, that backhand, that one handed backhand, yeah. you can't beat that. 
the way that he just glided around the court, looked like he was never trying it. He was unbeatable. Oh, I was a Roger man. Imagine Good question. with his retirement, imagine how many hours his wife, Mirka, has spent watching Roger play tennis. Yeah, and she gets bored. What? <laughs> yep, for sure. <laughs> well, she, she was quite bored. a good tennis player herself, so she obviously yeah. loves the game. Yeah. But, gosh, like how many hours would yeah. she have spent? Yep. She looked Port bored side. a lot of the time too, yeah. didn't she? Sometimes she did cross the road, she'd just give a little clap. So now does she go, uh, now that he's retiring, now that he's hanging up the racket, do you think she now says, it's my time? I've got the <laughs> shotgun the next 20 years, Roger. Did you all turn yeah. to look after the kids? Yeah, I, I think I think he owes her for the rest of their lives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a huge prelim blockbuster at the SCG. It is a sellout, 48,000 expected for the Sydney Swans hosting Collingwood. And a Collingwood assistant has been very good enough to join us on the line pre-game. Scott Selwood, welcome to Deadset Legends. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Firstly, should we get to your brother? Because <laughs> quite an amazing <laughs> night for your brother, Joel. Have you spoken to him? Have you sent him a text? Yeah, we just chatted. We just got off the phone literally only 10 minutes ago. He seems to be going really well. He's uh, in good spirits, obviously. And um, to get back to uh, this stage and, and maybe after the last couple of years, his body sort of let him down at times that you worried whether he'd get back that opportunity. But he... Um, he he wasn't able he was able to get back there so it's exciting for the cats and uh, and what they might be able to do if if the pies don't try and uh, ruin the party <laughs> and amazing for him I mean he'll be playing his fortieth final that's a new record next week um, he's had such a successful career but do you, do you feel as though it's different for Joel and Geelong this year I mean we know that they've played different style this year it seems it well it has worked um, what has he said does it does it feel different there's an enhanced belief within this Geelong side. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's it's probably um, probably people on the inner sanctum now would be able to answer it better. But probably for my end, it, it looks like they've kept improving the whole year along. And not only the older guys that have maintained their their ability to play good football, but probably the, you've seen the kids keep developing. And Tyson Stengel's obviously had a great year, but yeah. Brad Close and these guys that have just continually gotten better each week, and um, they're going to be a hard side to beat. So um, hopefully, uh, we can be the team that's in the uh, in the game to try and achieve that. And, Scotty, you talk about improving as the year goes on. Well, certainly your team, the Pies, have done that. Absolutely. Just continuing to get better and better. What's going to be the key today? Massive prelim. We know you're both high-pressure teams. SCG, how do you get the job done? I think that, mate. Yeah, I think if we can try and turn it into a pressure game. Last time we came up here, there's probably elements of the game that made us look a little bit silly, and we didn't really feel like we we were close to who we are. So um, we just want to try and, and turn it into a pressure game and, they haven't really versed anyone with our kind of pressure, we don't think. So um, just almost just trying to turn it into a bit of a pressure off and just seeing where it lands a little bit in terms of uh, opportunities to score goals. But um, there's no doubt our team defence is going to have to be really strong to stop them from scoring. And they've got a really powerful forward line. So trying to play the game in our half as much as possible is going to be important. But, um, yeah, I think overall, if, if you don't win the contest against this side and bring the pressure... It's going to be a long night. I think the team defence is going really well. It was uh, strong last weekend, really on points. I think that's in a uh, great spot, really comfortable win over Fremantle last week, Scooter. But preparation not ideal yesterday when two of your players get in a prang on a Monash. Um, That was sort of as part of a huge traffic jam uh, out there. Speak, of course, of Bo McCreary and uh, Josh Carmichael. Great that they were were okay, but that would have been a bit chaotic uh, for the team at the time when when, uh, that news sort of filtered through as you're preparing to fly out of Melbourne at 10 a.m.? Yeah, and probably just, especially just, you would worry about them as people first. You just wonder, you know, are they okay? Because 
from the photos it looked quite significant in some ways but um, they were both on the phone pretty quickly to assure us that they're feeling good and, and feeling up to, uh, to to playing and getting the opportunity and um, so that was a main thing is it's, you almost had to walk them backwards and just say no are you actually okay um, from every other point of view rather than just thinking about the footy side of things and they're in really good spirits and they got up here and uh, if you met these two guys, I think you'd you'd safely say that these two guys can put the put a pass in pretty quickly. So they don't they're not overthinkers. Um, these two, so they'll uh, they won't. Uh, I think they would have slept okay last night and, um, and and moved on to the game pretty quickly. So did they miss the flight? Did they have to catch us another flight later in the afternoon? We put Joshy on a later one purely because it was his car that um, yeah. the one that got damaged. So just to get a bit of just so get organised and and get through all the insurance stuff and, and get some help there. And then Bo, we waited for the plane. For, so Bo came up with us and Joshy just came a little bit later. So they got up there and they all got they got to do a normal preparation, both of them, although it was just a little bit different on different flights. And, Scotty, I told the guys I'm already up here in Sydney, the airport this morning. I bumped into Peter Dacos. He was on the same flight. He was pretty nervous with the family. But, gee, the year that Nick's had, we've spoken enough about it. But last time you played Sydney, they had the tag with Ryan Clark, and it looked like you tried to move Nick around a fair bit to get him involved. And and maybe when you touched on earlier, it didn't quite sort of look the Collingwood way. What are you going to do today if he gets the tag again? Do you just let him work through it, or have you got some contingencies to try and get him involved? Because he is so important to your offense. Yeah, I think he's matured in that space too. He hasn't had a whole lot of run with players since then, but at the same time, I think he's wrapped his head around the fact that that's a potential going forward that that happens. So uh, little conversations between him and Leper and, and myself who used to tag in terms of the spots he can put in, put us in to make us vulnerable. And um, We'll probably just try and settle him down and, and just beat him. A lot of the times when he has had guys go to him, he's just beaten them. So mm. um, play to his strengths and play that way. And then there's probably more levers that we can pull if we need to, but... Um, at the moment, we we probably uh, we probably don't want to. We just go let's let's challenge them in our way and let's play our footy. And then you know we know they've got those bodies and contingencies if we need them. We're speaking to Collingwood assistant coach Scott Selwood. Scotty, talk to us about Geordie Dugowie. He's been outstanding in his two finals so far. Could strap on the cape one more time today and help lead you into a grand final. What's clicked for him? What are you seeing in Jordan Dugowie's presence, his physicality, and his attitude at the moment? Oh, he's been awesome, hasn't he? I mean, you can obviously see the output of what he um, brings on the weekend, but what he's been doing week to week um, from uh, working with the psychologist to make sure his game's in really good stead from a, from a mental aspect, but his training's um, gone through the roof, especially over the last 12 weeks. I think Fly's referred to it uh, quite a bit now, but you definitely have noticed a shift, and, and that's allowed us to put him on ball a little bit more, and especially in this final series now that we've lost Tay, Tay Adams, it's, uh, it's been quite important that he comes on and um, he's played a really pivotal role, obviously, but um, I, I probably think he's buying to um, what he's done around the team. And I'm, I mean, Pendles pretty much runs our midfield and Bolts and I, we just sort of sit back and, and watch from the side, really. But uh, the connection that he's got with Pendles and, and the way they them two play the roles, like specific field, uh, specifically for our brand, is really important. And he's doing that really well at the moment. And so just lastly, uh, Scooter, and good luck for the, the massive game this afternoon. Do you feel like with the whole Bali thing, the penny dropped? Like, I know sometimes you got to you got to fall over to get back up and, and be better. Do you reckon out of all that whole thing, without sort of going specifically into it, he's come out of that, you know, better person, better football. Do you feel like that can be this big turning point in his whole life in a sense? Potentially. It's a good question. I mean, one thing I would say is I, I reckon out of it that he saw um, a side of fly that he, he knew that he could trust and a side of us coaching group that we, we want to help him get better as a person. And, and he, I feel like he really believes that. So, I think there's a potential there that he's maybe got a bit more trust in the people 
um, that are in front of his face most days, and um, and then we want to help him get better, and uh, and not only from a footy sense, but from a, being a, a really good person and person in society as well. And and we love him, like we we love his character and what he does, and we just know that there's some sides to him that he wants to uh, he wants to make sure that he's keep he keeps developing. But um, yeah, I can't help but think that uh, he's done a lot of work himself, but um, the people in front of him, Fly in particular, is. He's done incredible work to uh, to gain that trust from him. Well, kudos to Cobra Cray, yep. yourself and the whole coaching team there. Hey, good luck today, good luck, Scott, and thanks so much for, for joining us on Dead Set Legends. Thanks, guys. Go Pies. <laughs> <laughs> that was really interesting, wasn't yeah. it? it? Sometimes those tough periods at yep. a football club can actually have some major benefits, one being building trust. Yeah, and when you sort of find out about people a little bit when it, you know, it when you fall over, and I reckon throughout going to those press conferences with Craig McRae, he was saying things, look, I just want to give him a cuddle. I just want him to be in, in our team environment. I want to get around him at this really challenging time. So that was really interesting, um, and you just feel like he's going to stay at Collingwood now. Why, why? Can you give me one reason why he would leave, Joey? Why would Jordan mm-hmm. Ngoi be wanting to leave Collingwood on this magic carpet ride in the moment? No, I can't see any reason why he would if he's happy, and as Scott said, he, he's trust the coaches. They trust him. He's playing great footy. The team's winning. It uh, seems like it's all going smoothly, and they've just got one or two more jobs to get done this year before the fairy tale's complete. He's proving to be quite the finals player too, isn't he, Jordan Dugowie? Tell you what, it is a hard game to pick this afternoon at the SCG. Collingwood taking on the Sydney Swans. We've spoken a lot about the pies, but what about these Swans? Because it was quite the performance in week one of the finals. They rightly... Uh, deserved the week off um, after that win at the MCG. But I guess what was most impressive about it and sparks a lot of belief about these Swans, Joey, is that their big guns, their big superstars didn't have that much of an impact in mm. week one of the finals. It was their young guns in particular who really rose to the occasion. So no doubts about them and how they're going to handle the intensity of a prelim final. No, it's no surprise, is it, too? These three teams that are left, so Geelong have won, what, 15 straight games. Collingwood have won 13 of their last 14, and Sydney have won eight on the trot. So they are all in red-hot form, and Sydney, like Collingwood, like Geelong, as Scott Selwood just told us, they're getting better as the season's gone on. So at the start of the year, they were a little bit flaky at times. Their first quarters, they were getting jumped by teams, and they'd have to fight their way back, and they'd you know come home and win games. But then as the year's gone on, their contested ball, their pressure, their overall game, their defense has gotten stronger and stronger. We've always known about their ability to move the ball and their kicking skills. They've got a lot, a lot of high-end talent that can kick the ball beautifully. But it's all come together really nicely for the Sydney Swans and hard to fault them as well, Jay-Z. Joey, that's the, been the big thing for me for Sydney and what's helped them go to that next level, I think, was since the bye, um, you know, the second half of the year, they've been ranked number three for contested position behind Melbourne and Carlton or ranked number two uh, for contested position in in general play. So I think in the first half of the year, that was the chink in the armour. You could, I couldn't trust them around the clearance. They have really beefed that up in the second half of the year. And when you add to that some of their ball users, especially out of half back, like Blakey really takes the game on there, can use the ball really well. Ollie Florent, I love Jake Lloyd, is sound with their footy. So I think they've got this muscle in the middle and then um, these really nice ball users on half back so they can score um, from half back. And then they've got, you know, the Twin Towers, the McCartan brothers, and um, some firepower up forward and they're coached by John Longmire. Like we talk about these great coaches, don't we? We talk about Clarkson all the time, Damien Hardwick, Chris Scott. Do we talk about John Longmire enough? Because Probably not. No, no wonder North Melbourne threw the kitchen sink at him too a couple of years ago. He's just rebuilt this side. Two years ago, they were 16th, I think, and they lost Aaliyah Aaliyah. They lost Jordan Dawson. There is another one. Which, George Hewitt. George Hewitt, That's they right. lost, right? They were banned from a trade period after 
um, you know, taking Buddy Franklin. So I think just as a whole club, led by Kinnear Beats and the list chief and John Longmire, you know, it's just been a brilliant turnaround from the Swans. You mentioned Buddy Franklin. You, we don't like to be dramatic, but given he has made it known that he's uncertain about his future beyond this season, if the Swans lose today, there is a chance it could be the last time we see Buddy yeah. Franklin play, which yeah. is quite daunting when you think about it because this is a superstar uh, player of our game, someone we've been so lucky to witness, yeah. and to think that there could only be one more game yeah. left in the in the Franklin era. Gee, I, I, no one. It feels like no one really knows. I don't think Buddy's telling anyone in Sydney or out of Sydney about what he's thinking. So it's hard to really know what's going to happen here. Could absolutely be his last game. So I think, and we've talked about this a lot, Joey. Does it depend on what happens at the end of this season or how it finishes? Could oh. that play a factor at his age? If, if they if they win a flag, and I think Joel Sell would, would fit in the same boat. If yeah. Geelong win a flag, well, then there'd be a strong temptation to finish on that on incredibly that note. high note. Like, mm. how do you go back to preseason and then, yep. you know, throw the, start running laps around the oval in 30-degree <laughs> days? Like, at 36 years of age, yeah. And, and isn't it important to admire and celebrate these champions while we've still got them at the end of the career? I don't think we always get that right. So it's a time to, as you say, admire the absolute champion. But he's never been uh, an attention-seeking player, has he, buddy? He'd probably prefer no one to know and, and to just sail off into the sunset. <laughs> but it's going to be a massive role, the, the, the contest between him and Darcy Moore. I mean, there was, yes. it was you know, he got, clearly got beaten by Stephen May, but his form before that had been very good. He kicked 15 goals in his last five home-and-away games. He's going to have a... He's going to have a Important role to play, buddy, whether it's kicking goals and getting his side up or whether it's just nullifying Darcy Moore's run and bounce off the back line, which, is, which sets up so much Collingwood offense. It's, he's going to have a big, big role to play. So how do Collingwood win, Joey? I feel like they need to go in and have another monster, um, and that pressure's got to be there. They've got to use the ball well. But can you make a strong case for Collingwood? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I think they're... I think their best chance will be to get the jump on Sydney. So we saw the way Collingwood started against Fremantle, where they came out of the blocks and they were just gone. If Sydney are just slightly off because of having the one game in 27 days, having two buys in the last month, Collingwood could get the jump on them, get themselves in the game, turn it into a chaos contest pressure game, and they'll be in it up to their eyeballs. If Sydney can control the ball and just take away the sting that – Scott Selwood just told us that they want to bring Collingwood. They want it to be a pressure game. Sydney can handle that. They can match the pressure, but they've also got the ability to take it off Collingwood with their kicking game and control and, and build up the football. So it's going to be a real good tactical battle. I think it's going to be a terrific contest. This will be this will be a close game, no matter which way it goes. I'm going to lean towards Sydney, but there's no real no real confidence in it, Kath. I just think the home ground advantage may yep. be Sydney, but Collingwood could absolutely win this. Be a bit. Six beers. I'll have the pies. You're going to take this once? You already owe me six still from earlier in the year, but yeah. I was about yep. to say, you don't I'll, even uh, pay your bets. Yep. <laughs> you do owe me six earlier in the year. All right. We'll double it up then. Yep. Double, double or double nothing. nothing. Double Done. or nothing. Tough one to pick this afternoon. Tough one to pick in terms of the Brownlow medal as well. We're going to chat that next. Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Joe Jankath. The Dead Set Legends. Triple M. Up and about, Joey, this morning. <laughs> he's in Sydney and he's ready to go. He's asleep. He's asleep <laughs> on the, on the chair. Actually, I thought this was a little just hook. nodding off. <laughs> you were nodding off during our show. I got up at 5 a.m. I was sort of hooking to the next song. Sort it out. Get a little <laughs> coffee or Red Bull. Do whatever you've got to do to get up and about, please. Joey? I'm up and about. Don't worry. Hey, the brown low. Yes. Um, so was meant to be Monday, of course. Had to be pushed forward to yep. Sunday night. Not sure if that ruined any of your hair and Makeup appointments, Josie. No. But <laughs> it is on Sunday night, and it's a tough one to pick. I mean, Lockie Neal is always spoken about, but there's always sometimes a surprise yeah. on 
uh, Brownlow yeah. Knight, yeah. and Patrick Cripps has had an amazing season. Clayton Oliver. Who are we picking for the Brownlow in 2022, gentlemen? Well, I'm covering it for the Herald Sun, and I want a real straightforward result. I don't want Took Miller to win it with some unsuspecting three-vote uh, um, performance. How in much the... does that throw you out oh. when you're covering the Brownlow as a journalist and you've written a story about, let's just, for example, yeah. take Lockie Neal yeah. and then a Took Miller surprises everyone yeah. and wins the brown no, it's it adds years to my life honestly <laughs> when it when it's like a um it's like when you're covering a game and then the team kicks four goals in the last five minutes to win you've literally got to delete your whole story and rewrite it again in about three minutes so I'm hoping I'm cheering Lockie Neal hard from here but as you said Joey last week Cripps jumps out of the blocks have you done the analysis he's gonna he's gonna lead early and then Neil's gonna try and track him down and you got Oliver um, as well, sort of in the background. So, how do you see it playing? Yeah, if you have, if you remember back to the start of the year, we just, I just had a look before. So, Paddy Cripps will have probably eighteen votes after eight rounds. Remember, he had six BOGs in the first eight weeks. Yeah. Yep. So he'll be a long way in front, but then he has a real lean patch through the middle of the year where he'll hardly poll. The keys for him will be rounds 19 and 20. So they played the Giants. He had 34 and kick one. He needs the three votes. And then they went to Adelaide, that really disappointing loss, Jay-Z, mm. to the Crows. Oh, yeah. But he had 41 touches. Oh. Does he poll two or three votes in a losing team when right. Carlton went over to Adelaide? Because then he finishes with three votes. And you remember that game against Collingwood, the amazing final game of the home and away season. Paddy Cripps was enormous. So yep. he'll finish with three. Whether that's enough is going to be interesting because Lockie Neal, we think, will have eight BOGs, maybe nine. He'll finish somewhere around 26, 27 votes. And it's whether uh, Cripps can get enough, especially with uh, being close enough in the last round to get three and Clayton Oliver's the other one who is probably going to poll in the most games. If you look at him, he could poll in 13, 14 games for the year because he was so consistent. A lot of um, games above 30 disposals. It's just a matter of whether he gets the one, two, or three mm-hmm. for him because we know Max Gorn and Petrarca will poll. So if they get the twos and threes, Clayton Oliver might just miss out. But he also will get three votes, Kath, in the final home and away game of the season. So I think coming into the final round, Jay-Z, Lockie Neal will be in front. And then Paddy Cripps and Clayton Oliver are both going to get three votes in the final round. Will it be enough to just get over the top or beat or a draw with Lockie Neal? What about Andrew Brayshaw? So Brayshaw is going to be interesting because he's an unknown. He's never polled before. So there are two scenarios. He could do the Ollie Wines and poll three votes in every one of Fremantle's wins because he was probably their best player without a standout, which happened to Ollie Wines last year. And he polled, what, 36 votes, Jay-Z, last year, Ollie Wines? Something like that. So Brayshaw could do that, or he could be missed by the umpires and, and maybe not get uh, not get any votes. So he's the other one, a bit like Tuke Miller. And the two I want to keep an eye on, I think future Brownlow medalists, and I want to see how well they poll, because if they do poll well, they could go close. Connor Rosie and Chad Warner could both poll well into the 20s if they get spotted by the umpires for their best on-ground games this year. They're the two up-and-comers to keep an eye on. I do not need a four-way tie at the top. Like one press conference is I've enough to cover. I've called it. It'll no. be a three-way tie. Joey, honestly, if that happens. <laughs> Neil, Oliver, Cripps will all tie it on 27 votes. I might just walk out. I've got, got enough to do on uh, Sunday night. He's getting very anxious at the thought of a three-way tie. Ready to go for Give Me a Spell on Dead Set Legends, Jay-Z. Uh, the, the songs in between goals, I don't think we need them at the MCG. We're for finals. I don't mind it. Like, nah, I don't mind it either, Kat. Yeah. 
Uh, Got the fun police over here. Maybe, it just adds a little bit of atmosphere. No, maybe in the preseason cup or whatever that's called these days. <laughs> I think for the real McCoy in a preliminary final, I don't need ZZ Top blaring uh, in my ears after each goal. So give me a spell, songs after goals. Hey, Mike, give me a spell. This, Kath, I got out, of the, um, got out of the airport, jumped in a taxi to come here, Triple M Sydney. And seriously, as we're on the freeway coming from the airport to the city, there was there were cyclists in the left hand lane on the freeway, like not in a bike lane, not in the service lane. They were riding in the left hand lane on the freeway yeah, I'm in not a three about lane that. freeway. Yeah, does that happen in Sydney? Yeah, no, that's. Well, I don't know if that happens that's, a lot. But give me a spell. That is, give me a spell worthy. Mm. Um, my little quick, give me a spell. Yep. Got an invite to the Brownlow like two days ago. Give me yeah. a spell. Late. A girl needs to get a dress. Yes. She needs a makeup artist. Like, yes. no, no, no. I'll be watching from my couch. Well, you were like, <laughs> token yeah, invite. Token. <laughs> Fifth round invite for Cat. Yeah, very good. Anyway, hey, we didn't touch on the news out of the Brisbane Lions this morning. Yes. A player had a little bit of a crack at Chris Fagan. Yes, so interesting. Um, Mitch Robinson basically said on Instagram um, that he was disappointed um, that the senior coach didn't give him the opportunity to tell fans in the club that um, he'd played his last game um, as a Lion. So interpret this for me. He says, I'm devastated. This is on Instagram. Mitch Robinson says, devastated, Fags. Wouldn't allow me to announce this in person to the supporters, but I guess that's footy. It's my last uh, game as a Lion. It's been an absolute privilege pulling on the Fitzroy and Lions uh, jumper. Thank you all for the last eight years. He's been a warrior. I think he wants to play on somewhere else. Will another mm. club take the um, punt? I'm not sure, but seems like a little bit of a clip at the, uh, the coach there. Chris How Fager. was it announced, Jay? Do you know how it was? Well, I think um, the the club must have said something at some point, um, yeah. which I'm, I'm unaware of. But obviously, um, Mitch knows, so maybe they've just announced their delistings somewhere or, or said something. So mm. I think Mitch obviously wanted to. I don't know, but it hasn't been public. None of us have seen where Chris Fagan has said that Mitch right. Robinson's played. So right. maybe, maybe he wanted to do yeah. it on his. Hey, just. Just a quick one, Jay-Z. What yep. was that? Melbourne injury scare. Yeah, so, well, um, Jack Viney, we didn't know about this, but Jack Viney's actually played the last few weeks of the season with a torn retina in his eye. So it was in, impacted, impaired his vision um, for the last few games. He, he was having sight problems. This wasn't sort of publicly revealed or whatever. So he needs a little procedure uh, on the retina in his eye to fix that up. But it did um, bother him to, a, to some extent um, in the last couple of rounds, Jack Viney. So... A lot of these players, Joey, and you're not better than anyone. They play with a lot of niggles and it never sees a lot of day. It does go to their toughness and courage. Nah, that's correct. And what about Max Gorn? What was the talk about Max Gorn? There was, I mean, we hadn't heard anything in the lead up. And then because he played pretty poorly in that semi final, it was Max Gorn was playing with a groin injury. Well, he did. You know look, much about that? Well, he looked cooked in the second half, didn't he? He was, on, he was on one leg. So I think he took it into the game, said he'd be okay, put his hand up to play, uh, but did struggle with that uh, quite clearly. But he'd be good to go for next season, potentially next to um, Big Brody Grant. Yeah. <laughs> that is, I still can't get my head around that. Um, let's go to our Dead Set Legend of the Week. Thanks for calling. Triple M's Dead Set Legend of the Week. We've been there for it all. 4 and 20, Australia's original fan food. Mate, you are a legend. I feel like well, I've got an idea as to who this is this week, Joey. Yeah, it's a pretty on. obvious one this week, wasn't it? It has to be Roger Federer yes. announcing his retirement uh, after, I think he's 41 years of age, 20 grand slams. Unfortunately, I think unfortunately, Djokovic and Nadal have gone past him, so they're going to have the title. Probably is the greatest ever tennis player, but in my eyes, Roger Federer was. He still holds the record most weeks at number one in the world. He was an absolute star. Um, so Roger Federer, for me, is a no-brainer. Dead set legend of the week, only behind my great mate Nick Rewalt, who's second. <laughs> 
Hey, I, well, I just popped into the studio, Joey, just to see what, what sort of nick you were in this morning. <laughs> and you don't oh. look too bad. You rang me at midnight, buddy, because you were finishing the TV. I was already in bed sound asleep. I had an early start this well, morning. I, yeah, I don't know whether that's necessarily true, Joey. Who was, who was best on? Uh, Stevie Baker, as always, held centre court. He had plenty of good stories for us, and uh, we live vicariously through Stephen Baker. So he got the three votes. Rui, he popped in for a little bit. Rui's in. Yeah. Billy Brownless is in. He's up and about. Billy, because... Billy. Oh, the fat wombat. What about those cats? The fat <laughs> wombats. They're going up next on the Saturday Baby cats. Triple M's Dead Set Legends is done for another Saturday. Yeah. So uh, well done, Joe. Your hard work's being rewarded. Just some of my best work. Betfair. Back, lay, trade the Brownlow. Only at Betfair. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Joey Montagna, Jay-Z Clark and Fox Footy's Kath Blockman. Triple M's Dead Set Legends. You go for it. <laughs> we'll be back next week. Make sure you do a little bit of training. Keep yourself in good shape. Don't come back too fat. That was always my little one. <laughs> 